Again, to Numbers, Book of Numbers, chapter 23. Chapters 22, 23, and 24, dealing with the false prophet Balaam. He was for hire. Apparently he had sway with all the gods of the area. and He used divination, so to speak. He, whenever he seemed to cast a spell upon a nation, it seemed to work. The devil is behind this kind of activity. Last week we looked at the fact that a donkey was smarter than the prophet. A donkey could see an angel with a sword in its hand and the prophet was blind to it. The king of Moab, Balak, is afraid that Israel is going to attack them as they have overcome uh, Og, king of Bashan, and Sion, king of the Amorites. They didn't know that God was going to prevent Israel from attacking the Moabites as they were relatives. But instead of sincerely contacting the Lord and asking for mercy and, and that they might be spared, he presumes and thinks that Balaam can curse God's people. Someone said he was seeking a weapon of mass destruction rather than risking any soldiers dying. Just have a prophet, so to speak, curse the nation of Israel and and their God will wipe them all out. Little did he know that God's plan was to allow his son to be cursed so that they might be blessed. Jesus would reverse the curse of the fall and we would be blessed for all eternity. If only people will seek the Lord sincerely. What is the word, as Balak asks, what hath the Lord spoken? Oh, that it reminds me, does it not of Pilate, Pontius Pilate, remember, what is truth? And he didn't remain long enough for Jesus to answer him. What is truth? Is that our concern this morning? What is truth? What would the Lord have us to consider? Please, Lord, speak to our hearts today. I'd like us to consider the thought, truth from the mouth of a false prophet. One sense out of the mouth of babes, God has perfected praise. and Little children praise him and adults refuse to do so. On a positive note, On a negative note, God can use even a false prophet to speak the truth. And so we have to be careful. The devil at times will speak the truth, but never to our advantage. Remember, he quoted scripture when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. So just because someone quotes a Bible verse or knows the Bible does not mean that they're of God. Judas Iscariot was one of the 12 apostles and he was a traitor. There are traitors that stand behind the pulpit. 
traitors. My prayer is, oh God, I pray that I'm a true believer in Christ, that I'll never turn away, I'll never apostatize. And of course, this church would drive me out if I ever turned from the truth. We're responsible to each other. We're accountable to each other. But God opened the mouth of a donkey. He can open the mouth of a false prophet. He didn't even have the sense to ask his donkey how he could speak. I don't know if, if you were there. Would, would, I don't think I'd continue to speak to the donkey. I'd think about who's, who's using the donkey as a, vent, as a ventriloquist. How is this happening? Didn't even have the sense to uh, ask about this strange event that brute beasts have more sense at times. What does the Lord say in one of the Psalms? Man is like the beast when he dies without Christ. No hope. The Bible says in the end day, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. We have read verses 5 through 23 of Numbers in our public reading. And when we, when we read the three chapters, we find that God opens the mouth of this false prophet and he has seven what they're called in our authorized version, seven parables, or seven oracles, seven statements about truth. Two of them are found in chapter 23, and five of them are found in chapter 24. The last three deal with God's judgment upon the enemies of Israel. The first four deal with the the, the the church of God, the people of God, and the God of his people. Some of the most wonderful statements about the truth of God and his people are found in these two chapters, 23 and 24. A tremendous Christmas passage is found that's at the top of our bulletin, chapter 24 and verse 17. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Shep. Great passages I'd like us to think about this morning. And again, God's power over his creation is enormous. In his sovereignty, he said, I'll use a false prophet to preach the truth. Even the devils have been used of God to exalt Christ. You read in Luke chapter 4 and verse 34, the Lord encountered someone that was full of demons. And the demons respond to the presence of Jesus and they say, let us alone. Art thou come to destroy us? They know they're going to be destroyed. The Bible says that the Lord prepared the the lake of fire for the devil and his angels and they know they're going to be sent into the lake of fire. And they're worrying that the Lord's going to prematurely cast them into hell. 
And this is what they say. We know that you are Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God. But the Lord would silence them to speak any further. But the people heard out of the mouth of demons that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Holy One of God. But if you read through the Bible, you find that the Lord uses not only a rebuking, talking donkey, he uses a raven to feed his prophets. Amen. He uses a fish to transport, to transport a prophet. Amen. You like to be swallowed by a large fish in the Mediterranean Sea? And then vomiting you out on the eastern shore? And you could smell like a fish for about a month? He used devouring grasshoppers in Egypt. He used bees to chase people in Canaan. You ever been chased by bees? It's not fun. He used scavenging dogs to eat a wicked king's wicked wife's body. The dogs were so were so uh, understanding of the wicked woman that they left her palms and her feet and her and her skull. They wouldn't dare eat the hands that had innocent blood shed or dripping from them, her feet that took her to uh, wicked ways and a, and a skull that thought wicked thoughts. Jezebel. Jezebel, the dogs were so wise they wouldn't dare eat those parts of her body. And he used mauling bears who cursed the prophet who was serving the Lord. The Bible says two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 young people who were cursing Elisha. God causes the wrath of man to praise him. The devil used a snake to slander God. God uses fallen angels to praise him. There is a belief that isn't saving. We need to consider this. Balaam believed in God. But he was a false prophet. The Bible says the devils believe in God and they tremble. But their belief is not a saving faith. Even Spurgeon says that even the devil is not so foolish to to believe, to, to be an atheist. But he doesn't mind if he causes others to become an atheist. He's a liar. He's a murderer. But he's not an atheist. He believes in God. He believes that he's a creature made by God. But he's a wicked being. He doesn't, hasn't trusted God. And how often you meet folks, and let's consider the difference. If you were asked, are you going to heaven? Are you going to have the hope of eternity? What will your answer be? Will your answer simply be, I believe in God? Well, then you just are in agreement with the demons. The demons believe in God. In other words, it's not just a head knowledge that gets us to heaven. It is important to have an assent in your head, but a heart consent. We believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and will be saved. Make sure you're Your belief is not just in your head, 
Because it's only in the heads of demons and people that are not saved. Are you believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you trusting in Him alone to forgive you of your sins? Have you called upon Him? Has it become personal to you and me? It's not just that my neighbor is a Christian, but am I a Christian? Am I converted? Am I a new creature in Christ? God opens a false prophet's mouth to utter what Balaam did not desire. He was for hire. He wanted to curse Israel, but God opened his mouth and blessed Israel. He couldn't but do so. God is sovereign over the mouths of people, over the hearts of people. The Bible says in Proverbs 21.1, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he's at the top. Everyone else Continue. God's, God has the heart of every single person. As the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. The same with the mouth. So he doesn't, he doesn't issue seven omens, but seven amens. Amen. Not seven banes, but seven blessings. Amen. Even truth about Christ comes from Balaam. That he is the one who saves. He is the king whose shout is among us and he is the star of Jacob and the judge of the lost who reject him. Seven times the word, it's called mashal, is used. It's, it's translated proverbs. Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs, the same word as parable. Proverbs 1.6 to understand a proverb. So these parables, as you see them, you see them in chapter 23, verses 7 and 18, 24, verses 3, 15, 20, 21, and 23. The word parable in our authorized version is the word proverb. It's a wise saying, a revelation of a spiritual nature, truth that comes from the mouth of a false prophet about the church of God and the God of the church. And these are timeless truths. There is, how shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Verse 8. How shall I defy whom the Lord has not defied? In verse 23. And surely there's no enchantment against Jacob or divination against Israel. There's no, there's no proverb against them. There's no scripture against them. I think of the words in Proverbs 26, the curse causeless shall not come. Like the, well, let's look there for just, it's, it's an interesting take on someone trying to curse us who are God's people. Chapter 26 of Proverbs in verse 2. As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. It's an interesting proverb. The idea there is that someone who tries to curse us is a groundless fear because God's blessed us. And the idea is, are we worried about birds that fly overhead? When's the last time a bird flew over your head and 
you know, you're not worried about them landing on your head, though they could. And though they could drop their bombs and, and, and hit their target, it's like my father-in-law at, at Niagara Falls, he was making fun of my big nose, and, and he was a man without hair on the top, and he had a nice yellow canary shirt that morning, and it happened that a bird that had been probably eating blueberries flew over the top and just dropped right on the top of his head and trickled down his yellow shirt. We call it karma, but it was just a providence. So let someone curse us. It's a groundless fear, like a bird flying over the head. How many times have you had a bird fly over you? Or birds? When's the last time you had a bomb dropped on you? We don't worry about that. Like Goliath cursing David and the Israelites. It was a groundless fear because God had blessed David. Shimei cursed David. It was Shimei that saw a cursed end. Let the Pope give his anathemas against the Protestants, the people of God. It's a, it's a groundless fear. But here is the terror. A, a, a curse that isn't groundless should be feared. The Bible says that he that does not love Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. That's the word, let him be cursed. Anyone who does not love Jesus Christ, at the end of the day, if they die without him, is cursed. We're cursed because of the fall of man. And it's the Lord who reversed the curse by causing Jesus to become a curse for us. I'm sure by now all of all of you in this room heard about that Turkish leader who was cursing Israel. He had a heart attack before he finished his speech and he died the next day. Did you hear of that? Look it up. He, is, he said, though they've escaped wrath of man, they will not escape the wrath of God. And it wasn't Seconds, he drops to the floor and he died the next morning. See, the Lord is warning us can't curse the people of God without yourself being in danger. I'm not saying that the nation of Israel at this present time is a Christian nation, but God has blessed his people and he is going to turn the nation back to himself. We're to pray for Jerusalem and not against. So if the curse be not causeless, it will come, just like the same one, Elisha. He cursed those that were cursing him and the bears came out and they mauled those young people to death. If any man love not our Lord Jesus, let him be anathema. And it's interesting, the next word is maranatha. So you have anathema, maranatha. It's an interesting take in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22. Anathema to those who do not love Jesus. 
Maranatha, which means may the Lord come. So those who are blessed cry, Maranatha. Jesus is coming again. What a day that will be. And so Balaam first, in his parable, speaks of the church of God, that they're saved, verse 22. Twice in chapters 23 and 24, it says the Lord brought his people out of Egypt and they have the strength of a unicorn. Chapter 23 and verse 22 and 24, verse 8. And then it says in verse 23 of chapter 23, what if God wrought, what if God done in saving his people from Egypt? That's the idea. Balaam had to say, God has blessed his people by the exodus, by salvation from sin, which is the picture of the exodus. That's why the Lord can say in verse 21, he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is, his, the Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. In other words, how can it be said that there's no sin in Israel and in Jacob? No sin in the church. Because Jesus Christ took all the sins of his people and was nailed to the tree. He nailed our sins to the tree. He was cursed for us. It's not saying that we don't have any sin right now, but God does not hold our sin against us for eternity. Every day we confess our sins as Christians. We don't want to sin. That's the difference between a Christian and a lost soul. We don't want to sin because we love the Lord and we know Jesus died for us. And it's highly offensive to God for his people when his people sin against him. We don't want to offend God. We don't want to insult him. We should reflect the fact that Jesus died in our place and we love him for his sacrifice. So Balaam had to, had to, had to speak for the fact that the church of God is saved. That the church of God, secondly, is not only saved, but it's growing. Look at verse 5, chapter 24. How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, as the valleys they spread forth, as the gardens by the riverside, they're vibrant is the idea. As the trees of the lind trees, they're fragrant. The fragrance of Christ, the Lord hath planted them. As cedars, they're beside the waters, they're deep-rooted. In other words, these are descriptions of the church that aren't just left to themselves when they're forgiven. That God nurtures and cherishes us, that we grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord. That we're to be growing as believers. You see, growth indicates life. How do you know you're born? You cry, you breathe, you eat. How do you know you're a Christian? You're growing. A non-growing Christian is a contradiction. It's a contradiction. That plant's not alive. It's not any higher than last week or more vibrant than last week or it's any lower than last week. It's artificial. It's not alive. 
And you can call yourself a Christian. You can talk like a Christian and sing like a Christian. But if you're not growing, you're not alive. You need to be alive in Christ. Be born again of the Spirit of God. And Balaam had to say that not only Israel is saved, delivered from Egypt, they're growing. They're like the valleys spread out. They're gardens, they're trees, they're cedars. These are all metaphors of of people that are alive and growing. The churches need to grow internally. Oh, that God would grow us numerically. The Lord is able and that is one of the texts here about them, the fact that they're one big happy family, verse 10. Who can count the dust of Judah and the number of the one-fourth part of Israel? Abraham said that your descendants will be as numerous as the stars of heaven and the sand of the seashore. In chapter 7 of Revelation, no man could number from all the nations salvation to our God and of the Lamb. But if you consider all the believers that exist today in the world, we're numerous. All over the world, every continent, every country, every city, every island. What a day that's going to be. You look like you're in the minority, and we are. But there are believers all over the world. Balaam had to confess that Israel was numerous. God had promised so. Balaam also had to confess that they would be a people that would affect others positively. Verse 7 of chapter 24. He shall pour water out of his buckets. His seed shall be in many waters. His kingdom shall be higher than Agag and his kingdom shall be exalted. In other words, it's not just that Israel was to destroy. They were to be an influence to... uh, affect other nations positively. You read the Old Testament. They didn't destroy everybody. There were people getting saved. There were, they had brought proselytes with them from Egypt. You see the, 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 uh, the Gibeonites converted. You see the Ninevites, the city of Nineveh, converted, even though the Lord's word came out of a reluctant prophet's mouth. He can use a false prophet. He can also use a reluctant prophet. How often do we speak about the Lord and it's not in our hearts? We can do it out of just a perfunctory nature. The Lord deliver us from that. Amen. Even the fact that Abraham or uh, Jeremiah said, he, he, he determined he wasn't going to say any more. He was getting so much rebuffed. He was getting so few responses positively. He said, neither will I speak any more in your name. But what did it say? But your word was in my heart as a burning fire. Maybe you're there right now, believe you. You're just tired of bringing, giving the word out. People just keep rejecting it, dismissing it. It just seems like nobody wants to believe. And so we say, Lord, I'm going to quit. I can't do it anymore. I, it's hard. And yet, as we read God's word, we can't but seek him. To whom shall we go? He has the words of eternal life. He was rebuffed. He was rejected of men. He was despised. He went all the way to the cross with us. He didn't quit. They didn't even have mercy on him while he was hanging on a tree. See, the devil won't give up even on your deathbed. 
He'll kick you while you're down. But the Lord loves you. The Lord is on his throne. And it's all for his glory. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. Just like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. They had very few converts, if any at all. They just kept it up. And it was the Lord that kept supplying them with the fire in their hearts. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was under me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Keep it up. We only have a few moments to live, only a few more years or less. I could drop dead like that Turkish man right here behind the pope. But to be absent from the body, for the believers to be present with the Lord, So keep it up, brother and sister. Don't give up. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Please don't stop. The devil wants us to stop. Keep it up. Tell others how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. Balaam even preached these things. If a false prophet did it, shouldn't true people of God do it? Balaam had to, had to preach that the people of God are set apart from the world. Thy people shall dwell alone, it says. They shall not be reckoned among the nations. In other words, God's people are separate from the world, though we're in the world. And so is that true of you and me? We're separate, but we're in the world, but not of the world. We ought not to be going after the the idols of the world were special. He calls us my, my people, which are called by my name. He calls the saints my sheep. We're special. He says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. After the doings of the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, you shall not do. What are the doings of the land of America? commercialization and just emphasis on money and emphasis on lust. You and I need to be holy people unto the Lord. How is it? Are we holy in thought and word and deed and dress and in every way holy in our music? We're to be holy. Don't think that becoming like the world is going to draw the world. No. We, as we are like the Lord, the Lord then beholds Christ in us. It's only Christ that can save a sinner. He preached, he prophesied that the church would be separate from the world, one big happy family. He prophesied that the church would be victorious. Chapter 24 and verse 8, he shall eat up the nations, his enemies, He shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion and as a great lion who shall stir him up. He prophesied about the courage of the people of God. That they would contend for the faith. They would be confident in their lives. And the last three oracles are parables. Chapter 24, verses 20, 21, and 23 deal with the enemy nations being defeated and who shall live when God works like this. Verse 23 of chapter 24. No weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. 
Little did Balaam know, Balaam, you're the one that the devil's using as a weapon against God. And it wouldn't be long before the sword that he didn't see in the angel's hand would, would pierce his heart as the people of God recognize he led them into the sin of idolatry and immorality. You see, the wickedness of Balaam, he said, I can't curse you from my mouth as from the Lord, but I know this. If I can lead, he was, this, is, this is what his, his, his uh, strategy was as he conversed with the king of Moab. If I can lead the nation of Israel into sin, God will chasten them. That's what happened. He led them into the sin of idolatry and he led into the sin of, of fornication. And the Bible says that God then destroyed among his people. For the wages of unrighteousness, Peter and Jude said, and it says that he taught Israel to commit fornication with the Moabites. You have false teachers today saying, you have liberty to do as you want. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus died for you. We have no liberty to sin. We have liberty to do right. We have liberty to be holy. Liberty to do, do righteousness. We have no freedom to sin. Jesus died for our sins. Why would we want to live any longer in sin? Lord warns about false teachers that behind the scenes, they're greedy, they want your money, they want your sons, and they want your daughters. So he not only preached about the church, he preached about the Lord. Think about it, three times he had them build seven altars and offer sacrifice. Think of the time that it took to build seven altars and to offer a bull and a ram on each altar. What was he doing? That's a picture of Christ. The message. And here was the lie. He was saying by preaching Christ, God's people are cursed. But the message is when Christ is lifted up, we're blessed. We're blessed as the altar is built, as the offering is sacrificed, as the priest offers it. Jesus is the priest. He's the altar. He's the sacrifice. He's everything. Seeking to use the leverage of sacrifice appeasing God's wrath to curse his people when it's 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 the sacrifice that appeased God's wrath to bless his people. Christ became a curse for us on the altar of Calvary. He pleaded his blood. Verse 21, God has hidden our iniquity in Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It says in verse 21, the shout of the king is among us. Think about the statement, what's the shout? What if God wrought? And what was the shout at Calvary? What if God wrought? What's the equivalent? It is finished. I've done it. I've saved my people. I I have given the devil... A fatal blow to the head. He cannot curse my people. I have blessed them by becoming a curse. 
He was the king shouting. And there was one thing, a crucified person that was dying by asphyxiation. The last thing he could do was be loud and shout. But he had enough in him to shout. It is finished. With a loud voice. That was the Holy Spirit in him. The Holy Spirit. Verse 24. He lifts up like a young lion to eat his prey. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Verse 8 of chapter 24. God has brought his people out of Egypt. Jesus is prophesied to come from Egypt. Remember, Joseph and Mary took him to Egypt when Herod wanted to destroy the infants. Matthew 2, Hosea 11. Christ is the great lion that now lies down, accomplishing his work, verse 9 of chapter 24. He is building his kingdom. And then that great Christmas text, verse 17. Jesus is the star, the scepter, and the smiter. He's the star out of Jacob. Is there a coincidence that God made a special star for Jesus? Is that not? Is that not? A reference to Numbers 24, 17. Moabites had enlisted Balaam to smite with a curse. And yet it says they'll be smitten by the staff of Christ. Out of the mouth of babes, God praises his name. And out of the mouth of Balaam, he praised his name. Even out of the mouth of bad spirits, he praises his name. God causes the wrath of man and devils to praise him. Will you and I praise the Lord sincerely? Oh, may none of us be like Balaam for hire, that we're just in it for what we can get out of it, but that we're here because we want to give the Lord the glory to his name. We come to the public worship service not to be entertained and not to primarily get something out of it. But we're here to give the Lord the praise that he deserves. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Come into his presence and bring an offering. That's the point. Give, give, give. He's given his life. May we give all that we have for Christ. He's worthy. He's worthy. Worthy is the Lord to receive. Amen. Father in heaven, we pray that you would use these, these weak words from a man. Lord, your word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Thy strength is made perfect through our weakness. We pray that you drop the scales from our eyes. Save sinners. Lord, keep working today. May there be signs following the preaching of your word in Europe and in Asia and the islands of the sea in Australia and New Zealand, Japan. Lord, keep working in the Midwest and the West. May it be a great day in thy kingdom, perhaps even the greatest day as far as the conversion of sinners. No telling what you can do, Lord, as your son is lifted up as he said, if I be lifted up, 
I will draw all men unto me. Lord, we've sought to lift up your Son. And so we pray that you would draw us to thyself. Keep our focus upon the Lord Jesus this day. And we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Turning together in closing number 111. Come and worship, come and worship. Angels from the realms of glory. <laughs>